Section 7 of The Letters of Mark Twain Complete. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. The Letters of Mark Twain Complete by Mark Twain. Volume 1, Chapter 6. Letters, 1866 to 67. The Lecturer. Success on the Coast. In New York. The Great Ocean Excursion. It was August 13th when he reached San Francisco and wrote in his notebook, Home again. No, not home again. In prison again. And all the wild sense of freedom gone. City seems so cramped and so dreary with toil and care and business anxieties. God help me, I wish I were at sea again. The transition from the dreamland of a becalmed sailing vessel to the dull, cheerless realities of his old life and the uncertainties of his future depressed him, filled him with forebodings. At one moment he felt himself on the verge of suicide, the world seemed so little worth while. He wished to make a trip around the world, a project that required money. He contemplated making a book of his island letters and experiences, and the acceptance by Harper's Magazine of the revised version of the Hornet shipwreck story encouraged this thought. Friends urged him to embody in a lecture the picturesque aspect of Hawaiian life. The thought frightened him, but it also appealed to him strongly. He believed he could entertain an audience once he got started on the right track. As governor of the third house at Carson City, he had kept the audience in hand. Men in whom he had the utmost confidence insisted that he follow up the lecture idea and engage the largest house in the city for his purpose. The possibility of failure appalled him, but he finally agreed to the plan. In Roughing It and Elsewhere has been told the story of this venture, the tale of its splendid success. He was no longer concerned now as to his immediate future. The lecture field was profitable. His audience laughed and shouted. He was learning the flavor of real success and exulting in it. With Dennis McCarthy, formerly one of the partners in the enterprise as manager, he made a tour of California and Nevada. To Mrs. Jane Clemens and others in St. Louis, Virginia City, November 1, 1866. All the folks, affectionate greeting. You know the flush times are past, and it has long been impossible to more than half fill the theater here with any sort of attraction. But they filled it for me not before last, full, dollar all over the house. I was mighty dubious about Carson, but the enclosed call and some telegrams set that all right. I lecture there tomorrow night. They offer a full house and no expense in Dayton. Go there next. Sandy Baldwin says I have made the most sweeping success of any man he knows of. I have lectured in San Francisco, Sacramento, Marysville, Grass Valley, Nevada, you bet, Red Dog, and Virginia. I am going to talk in Carson, Gold Hill, Silver City, Dayton, 
Washoe, San Francisco again, and again here if I have time to rehash the lecture. Then I'm bound for New York, lecture on the steamer, maybe. I'll leave toward 1st December, but I'll telegraph you. Love to all. Yours, Mark. His lecture tour continued from October until December, a period of picturesque incident, the story of which has been recorded elsewhere. See Mark Twain, a biography by the same author. It paid him well. He could go home now, without shame. Indeed, from his next letter, full of the boyish elation which always to his last years was the complement of his success, we gather that he is going home with special honors, introductions from ministers and the like to distinguished personages of the East. To Mrs. Jane Clemens and family in St. Louis, San Francisco, December 4, 1866. My dear folks, I have written to Annie and Sammy and Katie some time ago, also to the balance of you. I called on Reverend Dr. Wadsworth last night with the City College man, but he wasn't at home. I was sorry because I wanted to make his acquaintance. I am thick as thieves with the Reverend Stebbings, and I am laying for the Reverend Scudder and the Reverend Dr. Stone. I am running on preachers now altogether. I find them gay. Stebbings is a regular brick. I am taking letters of introduction to Henry Ward Beecher, Reverend Dr. Ting, and other eminent parsons in the East. Whenever anybody offers me a letter to a preacher now, I snaffle it on the spot. I shall make Reverend Dr. Bellows trot out the fast nags of the cloth for me when I get to New York. Bellows is an able, upright, and eloquent man, a man of imperial intellect and matchless power. He is Christian in the truest sense of the term, and is unquestionably a brick. General Drum has arrived in Philadelphia and established his headquarters there, as Adjutant General to Major General Meade. Colonel Leonard has received a letter from him in which he offers me a complimentary benefit, if I will come there. I am much obliged, really, but I am afraid I shan't lecture much in the States. The China Mail steamer is getting ready, and everybody says I am throwing away a fortune and not going in her. I firmly believe it myself. I sail for the States in the opposition steamer of the fifth instant, positively and without reserve. My room is already secured for me, and is the choicest in the ship. I know all the officers. Yours affectionately, Mark. We get no hint of his plans, and perhaps he had none. If his purpose was to lecture in the East, he was in no hurry to begin. Arriving in New York, after an adventurous voyage, he met a number of old Californians, men who believed in him, and urged him to lecture. He also received offers of newspaper engagements, and from Charles Henry Webb, who had published The Californian, which Bret Hart had edited, came the proposal to collect his published sketches, including the jumping frog story in book form webb himself was in new york and offered the sketches to several publishers including canton who had once refused the frog story by omitting it from artemus ward's book 
it seems curious that canton should make a second mistake and refuse it again but publishers were wary in those days and even the newspaper success of the frog story did not tempt him to venture it as the little tale of a book webb finally declared he would publish the book himself and clemens after a few weeks of new york joined his mother and family in st louis and gave himself up to a considerable period of visiting lecturing meantime in both hannibal and keokuk fate had great matters in preparation for him the quaker city mediterranean excursion the first great ocean picnic was announced that spring and mark twain realized that it offered a possible opportunity for him to see something of the world he wrote at once to the proprietors of the alta california and proposed that they send him as their correspondent to his delight his proposition was accepted the alta agreeing to the twelve hundred dollars passage money and twenty dollars each for letters the quaker city was not to sail until the eighth of june but the alta wished some preliminary letters from new york furthermore webb had the frog book in press and would issue it may first clemens therefore returned to new york in april and now once more being urged by the californians to lecture he did not refuse frank fuller formerly governor of utah took the matter in hand and engaged cooper union for the venture he timed it for may sixth which would be a few days after the appearance of webb's book clemens was even more frightened at the prospect of this lecture than he had been in san francisco and with more reason for in new york his friends were not many and competition for public favor was very great there are two letters written may first one to his people and one to bret hart in san francisco that give us the situation to bret hart in san francisco westminster hotel may one eighteen sixty seven dear bret i take my pen in hand to inform you that i am well and hope these few lines will find you enjoying the same god's blessing the book is out and is handsome it is full of damnable errors of grammar and deadly inconsistencies of spelling in the frog sketch because i was away and did not read the proofs but be a friend and say nothing about these things when my hurry is over i will send you an autographed copy to pison the children with i am to lecture in cooper institute next monday night pray for me we will sail for the holy land june eighth try to write me to this hotel and it will be forwarded to paris where we will remain ten or fifteen days regards and best wishes to mrs brett and the family truly your friend mark to mrs jane clemens and family in st louis westminster hotel may one eighteen sixty seven dear folks don't expect me to write for a while my hands are full of business on account of my lecture for the sixth instant and everything looks shady at least if not dark i have got a good agent but now after we have hired cooper institute and gone to an expense in one way or another of five hundred dollars it comes out that i have got to play against speaker colfax at irving hall Restory and also the double troupe of Japanese jugglers, the latter opening at the Great Academy of Music, 
and with all this against me i have taken the largest house in new york and cannot backwater let us slide if nobody else cares i don't i'll send the book soon i'm awfully hurried now but not worried yours sam the cooper union lecture proved a failure and a success when it became evident to fuller that the venture was not going to pay he sent out a flood of complimentaries to the school-teachers of new york city and the surrounding districts no one seems to have declined them clemens lectured to a jammed house and acquired much reputation lecture proposals came from several directions but he could not accept them now he wrote home that he was eighteen alta letters behind and had refused everything thomas nast the cartoonist then in his first fame proposed a joint tour clemens to lecture while he nast would illustrate with lightning sketches but even this could not be considered now in a little while he would sail and the days were over full a letter written a week before he sailed is full of the hurry and strain of these last days to mrs jane clemens and family in st louis westminster hotel new york june one eighteen sixty seven dear folks i know i ought to write oftener just got your last and more fully but i cannot overcome my repugnance to telling what i am doing or what i expect to do or propose to do then what have i left to write about manifestly nothing it isn't any use for me to talk about the voyage because i can have no faith in that voyage till the ship is under way how do i know she will ever sail my passage is paid and if the ship sails i sail in her but i make no calculations have bought no cigars no sea-going clothing have made no preparation whatever shall not pack my trunk till the morning we sail yet my hands are full of what i'm going to do the day before we sail and what isn't done that day will go undone all i do know or feel is that i am wild with impatience to move 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 half a dozen times i have wished i had sailed long ago in some ship that wasn't going to keep me chained here to chafe for lagging ages while she got ready to go curse the endless delays they always kill me they make me neglect every duty and then i have a conscience that tears me like a wild beast i wish i never had to stop anywhere a month i do more mean things the moment i get a chance to fold my hands and sit down than ever i can get forgiveness for yes we are to meet at mr beach's next thursday night and i suppose we shall have to be gotten up regardless of expense in swallow-tails white kids and everything on regularly i am resigned to rev mr hutchinson's or anybody else's supervision i don't mind it i am fixed i have got a splendid immoral tobacco-smoking wine-drinking godless roommate who is as good and true and right-minded a man as ever lived a man whose blameless conduct and example will always be an eloquent sermon to all who shall come within their influence but send on the professional preachers there are none i like better to converse with if they are not narrow-minded and bigoted they make good companions i asked them to send the new york weekly to you no charge 
I am not going to write for it. Like all other papers that pay one splendidly, it circulates among stupid people and the canal. I have made no arrangement with any New York paper. I will see about that Monday or Tuesday. Love to all. Goodbye. Yours affectionately, Sam. The immoral roommate whose conduct was to be an eloquent example was Dan Sloat, immortalized in the Innocents as Dan, a favorite on the ship and later beloved by countless readers. There is one more letter, written the night before the Quaker City sailed, a letter which, in a sense, marks the close of the first great period of his life, the period of aimless wandering, adventure, youth. Perhaps a paragraph of explanation should precede this letter. Political changes had eliminated Orion in Nevada, and he was now undertaking the practice of law. Bill Stewart was Senator Stewart of Nevada, of whom we shall hear again. The Sandwich Island book, as may be imagined, was made up of his letters to the Sacramento Union. Nothing came of the venture except some chapters in Roughing It, rewritten from the material. Zeb and John Leavenworth were pilots whom he had known on the river. To Mrs. Jane Clemens and family in St. Louis, New York, June 7, 1867. Dear folks, I suppose we shall be many a league at sea tomorrow night, and goodness knows I shall be unspeakably glad of it. I haven't got anything to write, else I would write it. I have just written myself clear out in letters to the Alta, and I think they are the stupidest letters that were ever written from New York. Correspondent has been a perfect drag ever since I got to the States. If it continues abroad, I don't know what the Tribune and Alta folks will think. I have withdrawn the Sandwich Island book. It would be useless to publish it in these dull publishing times. As for the Frog book, I don't believe that will ever pay anything worth a cent. I published it simply to advertise myself, not with the hope of making anything out of it. Well, I haven't anything to write, except that I'm tired of staying in one place, that I am in a fever to get away. Read my Alta letters. They contain everything I could possibly write to you. Tell Zeb and John Leavenworth to write me. They can get plenty of gossip from the pilots. An importing house sent two cases of exquisite champagne aboard the ship for me today, Verve Clicquot and Lac d'Or. I and my roommate have set apart every Saturday as a solemn fast day wherein we will entertain no light matters of frivolous conversation but only get drunk. That is a joke. His mother and sisters are the best and most homelike people I have yet found in a brownstone front. There is no style about them, except in house and furniture. I wish Orion were going on this voyage, for I believe he could not help but be cheerful and jolly. I often wonder if his law business is going satisfactorily to him. But knowing that the dull season is setting in now, it looked like it had already set in before, I have felt as if I could almost answer the question myself, which is to say in plain words, I was afraid to ask. I wish I had gone to Washington in the winter instead of going west. I could have gouged an office out of Bill Stewart for him, and that would atone for the loss of my home visit. 
but I am so worthless that it seems to me I never do anything or accomplish anything that lingers in my mind as a pleasant memory. My mind is stored full of unworthy conduct toward Orion and toward you all, and an accusing conscience gives me peace only in excitement and restless moving from place to place. If I could say I had done one thing for any of you that entitled me to your good opinion, I say nothing of your love, for I am sure of that, no matter how unworthy of it I may make myself. From Orion down you have always given me that, all the days of my life, when God Almighty knows I seldom deserve it. I believe I could go home and stay there, and I know I would care little for the world's praise or blame. There is no satisfaction in the world's praise anyhow, and it is no worth to me save in the way of business. I tried to gather up its compliments to send to you, but the work was distasteful, and I dropped it. You observe that under a cheerful exterior I have got a spirit that is angry with me and gives me freely its contempt. I can get away from that at sea and be tranquil and satisfied and so with my pardon love and benediction for orion and all of you i say good-bye and god bless y'all and welcome the wind that wafts a weary soul to the sunny lands of the mediterranean yours forever sam end of section seven recording by james k white chula vista